What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Championship Leadership Podcast. And today I'm excited for our guest. Uh, was put in touch with him from a, through a, a mutual friend. And um, Paul Edwards. Paul Edwards is with us today. He is a veteran. He's married. He's got two kids. Best-selling author. author. He's a content ghostwriter, which is very interesting. Uh, faith-based content ghostwriter. And uh, he's coming out with his third version of a, of a book that he has here out in the end of May. Currently, we're at the beginning of March 2020. So looking, out, looking forward to that. That will be Influencer Networking Secrets. Uh, he's also got a podcast with the same name, Influencer Networking Secrets. You can check more out about Paul at thepaulsedwards.com. And uh, if you listen in here to the end, uh, he's also got a few, few uh, goodies and giveaways. Uh, gifts for our listeners as well. And we, of course, we'll always link all of this, the show notes so that you can find it easily. But thank you so much, Paul, for being here. I really appreciate it. Hey, Nate, it's my pleasure to be here. And thanks so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I always love asking this question first, just to kind of start the conversation for us. So championship leadership, uh, leadership is the name of the podcast. What does that mean to you when you hear it, when you hear championship leadership? What comes hmm. to mind? Well, I t uh, my mind starts going to a few people I know who are championship leaders, yeah. really. I guess probably the best example that most people in an American audience would know anyway are uh, some of the legendary NFL quarterbacks of the last 20 years or so. Um, and the, the best way I've heard it described is they make everybody better. Mm -hmm. they, 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 they're not just good themselves you want to be good when you play with them. Yeah. And, uh, and I love an executive, uh, a political leader, a, anybody who comes into their position and says, the reason I'm here is to help elevate everybody around me as opposed to just elevating myself. Yeah. I love that. That's uh, you know, when you say that, you, uh, because that's so true, definitely heard that uh, being Ben said, especially when they're talking, whether it's in sports or really any arena of life is, Man, when you were with them, you just wanted to be better. Whether it was you didn't want to let them down, which is always a big one, right? I think if you're around somebody that you really look up to and, and that you respect, like 
a big one is you just, you don't want to let them down because you just respect them and, and see them in such a light. And then the other piece is just that they, they, uh, they just, they raise the level for everyone. So, um, mm-hmm. thank you for that. I just love all the answers that we get because it's, uh, I, I don't know that we've gotten one answer that's been the same as the others. And I'm about a hundred into this. So it's always fun to hear that, that response. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about yourself and for the listeners. I gave you a, a brief intro, but yeah, maybe just tell us a little bit about your background and, and really how you've gotten to where you are. I know we, we talked before, you got the insurance uh, background that I have as well. And uh, we're both veterans of our military here in the U.S. And so, yeah, just give us, paint us a picture of where, where you came from and how that's gotten you to where you are today. Well, I'll try and string it all together um, based on the content of my book, Nate, because yeah. I think that what I'm, what I'm putting forward, uh, yes, I'm a content ghostwriter, but I, I, I became one because of relationships mm-hmm. out of trying to start another line of business through relationships, having got removed from the insurance industry where it was all relationships and so forth and so on. If you start catching the common word there at every stage of my life. So, yeah. so I come from this uh, cos- not cosmopolitan, but a globalized background of an English father and a South African mother, first generation me, born in North America. So I have this cultural background that is, um, I, I experienced it when I went and lived in Europe for a little while. The, 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 the craving there for personal connection and quote unquote hang time is quite a bit stronger for everybody, for most everybody. And hmm. I, I looked back at my American experience and said, you know, Americans just wouldn't spend that much time hanging out and talking. Um, they just don't. Or, or mm-hmm. maybe they, these days I think they do more than they used to, but they didn't used to. Yeah. At the time I left. So anyway, by way of introduction, I had that as, as a, as a foundational uh, part of my upbringing was that people and connecting with them and spending time with them was very important. So I was born in Edmonton, Alberta in Canada, grew up there for the first eight years of my life. And then we emigrated to Southern California um, where I lived the, the following 13 years until after, just after 9-11. And that was when I made the decision to, um, first of all, to go overseas and live in England for a while. And while I was over there, that was when I decided to, uh, to suit up and join the U.S. military, which brought me into another very relational environment. Um, though though it, it might not, a lot of people I, I, I knew who wear the uniform might not necessarily want to describe it that way. <laughs> yeah. It was no less true. Right. Right. Yeah. And so I just spent years and years and years in one way, shape or another, learning more about people than I think the average person, not that they're not capable of it, but they just don't choose, they choose not to pay attention to it. And I did, I was fascinated, but I was like, why, what, what is, what is motivating that person? Why, why do they think the way they do? Why, why is that so different from the way I think? And what's the, you know, where, where does all this go? And um, I came out of it. I went and got a degree in communications at, at uh, Pacific Lutheran University here in Tacoma. And then uh, I went, I tried to go into specifically broadcasting and all that. Everybody's like, oh, you got this radio voice. You should go be on the airwaves. And I'm like, yeah, well, easier said than done. It didn't work out. I had to get work and I went into the insurance business. 
And I had no, in, I had no background of the insurance business. I had no knowledge of it, no interest in it. It wasn't one of those things like my dad was an insurance agent. He made great money. So I guess I'll do the same thing. Yeah, right? Right. Some people are like that. Not me. I, but I went into it and I, the, the nice thing that I quickly discovered was nobody wants to talk about insurance. Yeah. Which actually, in my opinion, if you're, if you're in that business, gives you a huge advantage because it means you can talk about anything else you want to. <laughs> yeah, right. As long as you don't talk about insurance. So I started talking about marketing and building relationships and, you know, and, and radical generosity and circulating, you know, spreading influence, building influence, building connection, um, pro bono publicity. A lot of these things you'll, you'll read about in the book. I, that's what I talked about. And um, that comes to an end. And by this time, I've built this, you know, this referral machine with just people that I've built really strong connection with. And they're sending me referrals all the time. Matter of fact, every now and then I still get a phone call asking for help yeah. with insurance. Yeah, that's awesome. People who don't know that I'm out of the business telling right. other people who don't know I'm not in it, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, um, I went into trying to do like a, an author, speaker, coach, mastermind model, worked at uh -huh. it for two years, but it led me in this very interesting direction where I couldn't really get anything going with it, but I wasn't prepared to give up. Yeah. Um, so long as God kept giving me a chance to take another swing at the bat. And I built all along the way, the only thing that kept working for me was building relationships with people. And then all of a sudden, just this past fall in around, around October, I built a good relationship with the right person. And in, in literally a matter of 90 days, I had a business. I had clients. I had customers. I had money coming in. Um, doing something that I hadn't really planned on doing, um, not, as, not as my main profession, but but I love doing it. I'm, I'm gifted at it. It's what, it's what I was created to do. And, um, and, and quite honestly, it enables me to continue this same process of building one relationship after another until you reach that, you get in front of that person where the, the, the chemistry is right. The moment is right. And everything changes again. Yeah. yeah. I hope, I, I hope I do a good job of explaining that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So what, um, maybe talk to us a little bit about, who, who have been some of the championship leaders that have impacted your life? You know, whether that was a coach, a mentor, someone directly or indirectly, and, and, and always less about who it is, but really, like, how did they impact you? What was it about them? What were some of the characteristics maybe? What were some of the things that maybe you've taken and helped to mold who you are as you, you know, when you, as you talk about relationships and, you know, I, I think of, man, that's what I do that's what the podcast is all about for me is just connections and relationships and talking to people that I wouldn't, I never would otherwise. And uh, through that, I've, I've been impacted uh, by many of them. And so, yeah, maybe you can talk to us, like who are some championship leaders that have shown up in your life and, and what is it about them that, that has them stick out? Well, I'm, I'm very susceptible to words as a writer. I'm very mm -hmm. profoundly affected by them and very effective with them. And I would say probably um, I had a mentor in my early 20s. Uh, I was living a very rudderless existence following graduating high school. Um, didn't know what to do with my life. Didn't know I was supposed to do anything with my life. Felt content to, um, you know, chase the, chase the neon rainbow, try to become a rock star. 
yeah. and all this, all this, uh, this, this happy business they have going on down in Southern <laughs> California as you do. Yeah. And I, and I frankly was not even remotely prepared to do that. Didn't, didn't, didn't know half of what it took. Yeah. But I got this opportunity, uh, to live with a man who, um, what had, had made a fortune in sales and sales training and motivational speaking. And he had retired at age 39. Now the, the reason this made sense was that he was, um, physically handicapped and there were physical tasks that he could not perform. Okay. So a lot of people lump this in with a caregiver role. It wasn't, it was mm -hmm. assisting, it was assisting somebody whose brain was 10 times more powerful than mine. However, his body simply needed, you know, an extra set of muscles to, yeah. to, to, to do basic things around the house. So I wouldn't conflate it with, uh, you know, caring for somebody who's, uh, basically checked out or anything like that. Yeah. But of course that has an influence on you. This guy had and radiated a, a level of confidence and certainty and understanding of people. And he knew how to talk to them in a way that I had just never seen anybody handle themselves that way. And I lived in the same, um, in the same apartment complex. It was a beachfront apartment in uh, Santa Monica, California, you know, very nice living, which I yeah, definitely right. couldn't afford. And, and it rubbed off on me the, 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 the way he spoke to people, the way he handled himself, the way he was able to talk to strangers and all of that was, was truly remarkable. And as soon as I left and I began to do it, practice what I'd learned on people, I saw, you know, doors opening up for me right, left, right, and center. So because we think in language and because we, 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 we have a, a words to describe our knowledge, our experiences, our emotions, and all that kind of thing. I think that's where it originates. And I think that's where every true championship leader that I come across starts is, is vocabulary, words, use of language, the uh, persuasive ability. One of the chapters in my book is called persuasive in print, but it's not a chapter strictly about copywriting or selling in print. It's, it's about thinking like a copywriter thinks when you write. Okay. Because yeah. the whole idea is, is whether you're trying to get someone to buy something or whether you're just trying to make your feelings or, or thoughts understood in print, there's a science to it. Anyway, mm -hmm. you know, I've, I had several great mentors in the military that drummed out a lot of the um, kind of boyish tendencies, I guess you would say, uh, tendencies to become immature or self-centered and really taught me a lot about duty and, and, uh, and, and acting like playing the man, even yeah. when you don't, didn't really feel like it. I had some of that. Uh, I've had some wonderful mentors afterward, uh, particularly through masterminds. Um, Aaron Walker is the, the leader of the Iron Sharpens Iron Mastermind, where I'm a yeah. member, which is a phenomenal group. Uh, Vince Del Monte was very pivotal in my life at a certain stage. I've had several of them. I mean, I could go on, but you know, I, I think hopefully that gives you a good picture. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. You know, as you're talking, you're talking about being a writer and a ghost writer and, and your book and, and some of the science behind it. Um, you know, where did that come from? Where, like, have you had some formal training in something in, in this? Is this something that's just like, yeah, where did, where does that come from? How did you, how have you honed the craft and how, how have you 
gotten to the level you're at inside of being an author, a ghostwriter, and in in the written word, as you say, the power in that. Well, um, I'll 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 give some credit to the fact that I think some people have a natural predilection for this. Mm-hmm. And so I was no more than eight years old when I saw my father typing away at his computer one day and I said, what are you doing? And he said, I'm writing a book. And immediately after that, I wanted to write a book too. So yeah, I started right. writing, I started writing one. It didn't make any sense. Right. But, but I wrote one. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it never left me. Yeah. Um, after that, as a, as a, a couple of years later, I became obsessed with reading the Los Angeles Times to see the sports scores. I was following the, the hockey seasons very closely and I started creating my own, this is before fantasy sports was a thing. Yeah, I absolutely. started creating my own fantasy hockey league. And then I got into junior high and high school and it was dramatic arts and plays and songs and writing lyrics and writing screen, not screenplays, but um, plays, you know, trying to create scenes and all that. And I love that. And um, in the military, uh, the guys used to give me a, a good natured hard time because they'd come in from a mission if I wasn't on the mission and I'd be sitting there tapping away on my keyboard and they'd say, what are you doing? And, you know, giving me a hard time and all that. I've, it's just always stuck with me. Um, you add to the fact that I have always been, I've always had an expanded vocabulary because of my cultural background. Yeah. Um, both the English and the South African people use the English language very differently from the way Americans use it. Mm-hmm. And you will, and you just get exposed to a lot of different creative ways of saying things that Americans, that's just, just not the way they speak, right? It's just yeah. different. It's not, yeah. I wouldn't call it better or worse. I'd call it different. Yeah. Then you get a communications degree from Pacific Lutheran. You do these, you know, professional writing, um, writing for PR, persuasive writing, all these courses. So yeah, I did have some training in it. I had to learn to express myself in insurance because I couldn't talk about insurance. So I had to learn how to speak. You know, I had to get better at doing public speaking and making sure that people were actually interested in what I had to say. Mm-hmm. And um, right through onto today, um, all of my, you know, all of the books I've written, the, the um, attempts I had made at, creating a coaching or mastermind product, all of that is writing. All of that is sitting down and putting it on paper and thinking about, okay, how do I do this effectively in a way it's going to resonate with people? So you could say that that's probably been the training ground slash uh, background and education in writing. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. Um, sounds like it's, it started from a very young age and then you just take it just like you would anything else that you're interested in and continue to build and, and uh, build on it. So. What's, what is, uh, what's, what's a vision for you? I, I like to talk to, you know, about championship leaders that have an incredible vision, um, you know, vision for they want to go or, or an impact that they want to make. And not only that, but also just some extreme courage to make decisive, take decisive action on that as well, to actually like put it into um, action for their life to like make the vision a reality. What, what does that look like for you? Where do you want to go into this near future? Um, you know, how, who do you want to impact or what's the impact you want to make on the path that you're on right now? Well, I have a specific mission. Now, this is, I, I predicate all this. I, I don't know the length and breadth of your audience, Nate. So I'll, I'll just say that the, the, the God of the Judeo-Christian faith is, is, plays an extremely pivotal role in my life. Mm-hmm. And so I will... I just want everybody to understand that, that 
I believe this vision and mission comes from God and it's directed towards being a, a father and an older brother to younger men. So, and, and, it, and it's very real for me right now. I spend two nights of every week in the company of a group of between eight to 12 younger guys from the church that I go to here. And we are studying materials together and I listen to them and help them and coach them and share my experiences and all that. And we have uh, some phenomenal friendships developing there. That's a big component of what I'm up to. But, you know, at the same time, I have this, this ability to find the voice of an influencer or an executive, an entrepreneur, a thought leader, somebody who wants to maintain a steady stream of outbound communication with their audience. I have this, uh, I've always had this ability as a, as a voice mimic, right? And this is one of the ways that it got me into it was this relationship I have with Aaron Walker. I started writing content for his team at View from the Top. And the, one of the reasons I could do it was because I could imitate Aaron's voice. So when I wrote a blog or I wrote an Alexa brief, I could read it back to myself in his voice to see, does this sound like something he would say? And I started getting emails here and there and little bits of information trickling in from people. Number one, they love the content. Number two, when they found out that it was actually written by Aaron's team, they couldn't believe it because they said, this sounds exactly like what you would say, right? And that's, that's the whole, I mean, you can, you can see the testimonial on my website yeah. if you want to. That's the whole magic of ghostwriting is if you yeah. know how to capture someone's voice and then reproduce it, not only as a blog, but also as a bunch of tweets and snippets that they can put on memes and proliferate that online. Uh, they, you can craft a, an email sequence for them. You can write a sales letter. You can do any number of things and you can put it in their voice so that it sounds like they wrote it. Yeah, yeah. They buy back a ton of time by doing that. Yeah. Because they know they need to do this. Right. But most, but most of them, I mean, look how busy the average person's life is right now. Yep. Yep. Never mind if you're running an online business and all. So I have this sort of double-edged sword here. And the way I see that going is I'm, I'm really, I'm looking at it very openly right now. If you want the honest truth, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure where it's going. All I know is wherever it goes, the way forward is always go, comes back to what I talk about in my book is building those relationships, cementing and solidifying and laying, putting layer after layer after layer of relational capital with the people who matter most. So that's, that, 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 I guess that's my short answer. <laughs> yeah, thank you. No, I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, the voice mimicking thing, I guess I had never really heard it put that way, but that is, um, I mean, is there a way that someone can, I, I would imagine just like anything, there's a way that you could learn to do that. But at the same time, I, I feel it's, it seems like it's, it's really is a unique gift that only probably a select few really have. Yeah, I guess, you know, I hadn't really thought about it. Um, to mimic them very accurately. I've been able to be around the corner in a room in a house and mm -hmm. speak to somebody in the voice of another person and fool them into thinking it was that person, right? And I know this yeah. may sound weird on a podcast, but, but you know, just imagine you're in one room of your house, somebody you, you know well is in another room, they can't see you, and you speak in the voice of somebody else that they know really well. And they answer back as though that person was in the room, 
but they're not, right? So there's a, a radio talk show host, Phil Hendry is fantastic at this, right? He's okay. absolutely, I mean, incredible. And, and the speed at which he can do it is, is mind boggling. But you don't, I don't think you have to be like dead on accurate impressionist. I think you can still read something back to yourself in the way someone speaks and say, is this, does this sound like something they would say? And you can be close enough because if you pay attention to people's tonality, their expressions, their mannerisms, the speed, you know, whether or not they sort of vary their, you know, their intensity and that kind of thing, you're going to know how they speak. And then when you read it, you're going to say to yourself, this sounds kind of dry compared to how they normally speak or um, this is this is too much. This is over the top. This this person wouldn't say this. So it's a matter. It, it, I think it's more a matter of listening skills than it is um, mimicry skills. Yeah, yeah. Which um, yeah, that's it's you know that's very interesting. Is um, you know you have that, and then the relationships piece of you mentioned something early in the beginning that I just wanted to touch on real quick before as we do get get ready to wrap this up, like. The power in relationships, I know that there was, there was one you had mentioned, I forget exactly what it was about, but there was one relationship that really, you know, paid off and it went back to the, to the Bible verse. And maybe you could help uh, repeat that for us um, and, and, how, and essentially just, you know, doing as much good as you can, creating as much value for others really with, with no hidden agenda, right? Um, just because it's it's the good, the right thing to do is to help others create create a ton of value, and then you know ultimately, yes, that's go- that's going to come back to you, and 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 I think that's what you're doing inside of relationships, and just not not for that, but just knowing that that is a result of something that will come back, and it's something that did right, the the relationship that could change it for all of us, and a lot of us, I think, you know, myself included, at times can we can uh, find ourselves impatient. And, uh, you know, like, when is this going to happen or what's like, how, man, how long do I have to continue to do this? Or, um, it can be easy to get in that place and to continue yourself, continue to, uh, remind yourself to be patient. But yeah, I don't know if you could, if any of that makes sense for you, but if you could maybe just, uh, expound on that a little bit. I believe the verse is, um, the 16th chapter of the gospel of Luke. So it's Luke chapter 16. And I think it's verse nine. And Jesus tells the disciples, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it's gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. And, and all he's suggesting there is that we take the wealth that we do have, the resources that we do have, and, and this can be time, talent, or treasure, right? So mm-hmm. if you're broke, don't think you're necessarily disqualified from this. Yeah. And you use it on behalf of the people around you instead of on behalf of yourself. Most people, when they come into any possession of wealth, they use it primarily for themselves. So that the challenge here is to begin using it on behalf of other people. The thing you don't see coming is how what goes around comes around and how that's going to benefit you later on, right? Yeah. Because if there's one thing that's clear to me, it's that we live in a world where bonding is is intricately woven into our existence, positive and negative, right? There are negative ways to bond as well. But positive bonding makes the God I worship very, very happy, right? He is as pleased to see one of his, one of his children helping another one of his children as I am when I see my older or younger son help the other one, yeah, right? Right. Um, and he rewards it. And so 
I stole that, by the way, from Rabbi Daniel Lapp, and I just thought I'd say that, but <laughs> <laughs> but it's the truth. And and you know, I, this is the thing. I've I guess maybe I've had some sort of predilection for this as well, Nate. I couldn't tell you. I started sensing it at various times in my life, but I wonder why it is I walk into a room where I know several people in the room and I start scanning the room and I see on one end of the room, there's person A over here. And on the other end of the room is person B. Am I the only person who says these two should meet because they could help each other? Yeah. Wow. I, I, I don't know. I might not be the only person, right? but I think I'm that person a lot more frequently than, than most of the rest of the people in the room. Mm-hmm. I, I, and I think that's what gives me, that's the superpower. That's the, is, is, is just the law of averages, right? If, if I do that in a hundred rooms and another person does it in two, the odds are automatically in my favor that I'm going to run into an Aaron Walker who changes everything for me yeah. to answer your question. Yeah. That's, that's yeah, who absolutely. it was, right? So you have to, it, this is a lifestyle. That's why you read my book. It doesn't matter what business you're in. If you follow those principles and make that your lifestyle, your bus- you, you're going you're gonna to see incredible things happen. Be open also, though. You mentioned uh, somebody wondering, when's this going to happen for me? The, the other thing I want everybody to understand is sometimes this doesn't happen for you in the current structure you're trying to build. Yeah, right. And I didn't understand that. That's why I got caught off guard. I had basically, a, I was at the end of my rope trying to build a mastermind coaching type of environment. Aaron comes along and says, what about the idea of, of becoming a ghostwriter? And then you could fund something else that you want to build while you, you know, and I had never, that had never occurred to me. It should have, but it never did. Yeah. And I was open to it. I was at a point where I was like, you know what? I got nothing to lose because I'm just going to keep on banging my head against the wall if I keep yeah. trying to do what I've been trying to do. All that to say, if you, if you have, you may be sitting on in, in front of that relationship right now. But because you're so fixated on whatever preconceived notion you have, you, you're, you're shutting off the, the possibility for that person to help. So be open to the idea that you might have to go forward the roundabout way. Yeah, it might just not play out or look the way that you envisioned it to, to do, right? But it, it's, the opportunity still could be just as great. So. Yeah. Thank oh, you yeah. for that. I really appreciate that. Uh, as we do wrap it up here, what, what would be maybe one or two things um, that if our listeners, I think our listeners are, they're leaders, they're entrepreneurs, they're business owners, um, trying to figure this, this, uh, this life out. What would be one or two things you could give them that if they implement today would help them move forward today? Well, there's a couple chapters in my book um, that I think are, are utterly foundational to this. And the number one, I, I call it be a magnet, not a pusher. So hopefully this is out of date, but it may not be, it, especially if you're new, this is your first time trying it, you're, particularly if you're in a, a field like insurance where yeah. you know, there's, a, there's a pressure to sell yep. and yet you can't rush it because number one, people don't understand the product you offer. Number two, they resent being forced to buy it. Yep. Um, and so you can't, you can't go at it that way. You have to trust that the process is going to work out. And so you have to remain, well, I call it the monastic heart. You've got to have a, a benevolent detachment from making sales and a, and a, a ruthless attachment to being valuable to the people around you. 
because that will come back to you in spades. Mm. But the only way you can be valuable is by dropping the sales agenda, dropping the, I got to make money right now, you know, yeah. and, and, and focusing on serving the needs of your fellow human beings. That is after all, where any income is going to come from, right? Right. Totally. One way or the other, you're going to get paid by somebody who currently has money you don't have. Yep. So, so that's the one. The other thing I would say um, is chapter two, which is pro bono publicity. And, and the other chapters will follow suit. You know, they'll all come into play. But mm-hmm. pro bono publicity, to me, um, the only thing that worked for me bef- while I was in insurance, after I left insurance, and it still works for me today, is very much like what you and I are doing right now, a podcast or start a trade publication or start a, a networking group that's not a networking group. The, uh, the example I have of this is I used to host a monthly game of cigars and pokers at a local uh, cigar shop. They had this nice lounge out back and we would set up poker tables and we'd play cards and smoke yeah. stogies. And I t- tell you, a ton of business was done over that table because yeah. guys came and they got to play a friendly game, just chip in 20 bucks, play for a couple hours, smoke a stogie, have some yucks. There was no talk about you know, giving your 45 second commercial or what's the latest thing <laughs> right. in your business. We're not doing any PowerPoints. We're just playing cards and having fun. Yeah. yeah. And guys would just do deals. I'd hear it's about both ends of my ears at the same time. Two guys over here talking about this real estate deal. Two guys over here. This guy needs a car detailed. This guy needs his house inspected for pets. I mean, it's just, I, I was, I was mind boggled. I was like, there's more business taking place at this table of 10 guys than there are <laughs> yeah. in some networking groups with 50 people in them. Right. Right. You know, yeah. So that's another example. Um, or, you know, uh, going and doing promotional videos. I used to go to real estate listings and I'd do video tours on behalf of realtors who barely knew me. You know, I'd, say, I'd come in, hey, my name's Paul. I'm, I'm with Liberty Mutual. Now, I don't want anything. I'm not here to bug you. I just, I heard about your listing. I was wondering, I want, it looks really cool. Would you mind if I did a video tour of it? You know, and people mm-hmm. like, video tour? Yeah, I wanted to help you promote you on Facebook. They never said no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and many times that the listing, I didn't, I'm not taking credit for having sold a real estate listing by yeah. putting a video on Facebook. It's just that you're adding kinetic energy to a process that's hard for them to start. Yeah. Right. But it, you know, if you do that and everybody else is just sitting on their duff in their office, waiting for the phone to ring, you immediately create a distinction between yourself and your competitors. Yeah. Yeah. Powerful. Yeah. Thank you. And, uh, I believe the listeners will be able to get a, a free uh, PDF of this. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. So, uh, we are creating a page here, the forward slash championship leadership, uh, where listeners of your show can go, they can get a free copy, digital copy of business beyond business. In addition, we have a couple of tools on there that'll just help you, you know, start to think more clear about a lot of things. We have a, a, um, spouse assessment, which helps you find out what your spouse really thinks of you. That's a fun one. Um, but also we've got a, uh, personal assessment. It just helps you get on paper. You know, this is, this is how I think who I am, that kind of thing. And a goals and dreams worksheet. Yeah. Great. And I appreciate you uh, putting those out to, to the listeners. So thank you so much for that. And we'll, we'll definitely get those links uh, set up inside of the show notes as well. But I just want to uh, thank you for taking some time. I've, I've had an incredible conversation with you today and, and uh, hope to stay connected here in the future as well. So thank you, Paul. Hey, my, fr- my pleasure, Nate. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Have a great day. You too. Let's go. Let's go.
in 05 and 06, I deployed to Kuwait. I used to wait every day for them to say, nature going home. I missed my life, missed my wife. For 15 months, she was all alone. But when I got back, I felt out of control. Feeling entitled, I put my life on hold. I keep on drinking, so I'm sinking in a river of liquor. Me and my wife weren't all right. I didn't reconnect with it. I had a business, insurance agent, and rental properties. But is there something bigger than this? I know there's gotta be, so I invested in myself. I started seeing coaches. Life is a camera, I fixed the lens, and now I see in focus. Now my life's unrecognizable from my life just a couple years ago. 17 plus years. Years of marriage, it's never been better than this. And we got three kids, that's who I do it for. I'm gonna be a leader, I'ma lead the way, cause I'm a firm believer. We can do anything we want. If I said it, then I meant it, I probably already did it. Consider it done. If you need some inspiration, you should play this championship leadership podcast.